Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit brings the risen Jesus to us is the first part of the gospel for today. Please give your attention to John 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. Even though it's just eight words, it says a lot. If anything, it may perk someone's interest to ask, who is this Jesus? What is this peace? How can I know him? How would you answer those questions? As you think about that, take to heart the word of God before us here today, this record of that first Easter night. And through this word, may the Holy Spirit enlighten our minds and move our mouths to proclaim, only Jesus brings Easter peace. That's the theme here this morning. Only Jesus brings Easter peace. Now, to that first question, who is Jesus? And as you well know, there's many different approaches that you can use to share with someone who Jesus is. They all bring the same answer. There is only one true Jesus. But you could explain it to someone by using the words of the second article of the Apostles' Creed or Luther's explanation to it. Both are excellent summaries of who Jesus is. Or as the Gospels do, you could review for them the life of Jesus as you learned it in Sunday school. You could even start with the resurrection of Jesus, which is what the text here today brings to mind. Who is Jesus? He is the one who rose from the dead. Although he had done nothing wrong, the people had him crucified, nailed to a cross. But in fact, his entire life had been filled with good as he preached and taught God's word and helped by healing the sick. And yet he also made it clear that no one could earn their way into God's favor. In fact, he, he was the only one who could bring people to God, for he was the son of the father. And this offended the religious leaders, so they had him crucified. But, but this was part of God's plan. His plan to save you and me from sin and death. He had foretold, the Lord had foretold that he would send the Christ, the Messiah, to conquer Satan and to free sinners from guilt and death. He had foretold through the prophets 
that this Messiah would suffer and die to accomplish that mission, but then he would rise on the third day. And Jesus, Jesus is that one. He is the one who rose from the dead as foretold. He is the Messiah. And you can be sure of that because he rose from the dead. You can be sure. For there at the empty tomb you have the proof. There's the proof that he is the one foretold, the Messiah, the Christ. For he rose from the dead. There's the proof that what Jesus spoke is the truth. There's the proof that he is our God, the ever-living Son of the Father who came to save us. Easter is the proof. And look at all the testimonies you have that testify that Jesus really, truly rose from the dead. This is no myth, no legend. Think about those disciples that first Easter night, cringing in fear, hiding behind locked doors. Do you really think they would have invented a story about Jesus rising from the dead and bring down even more trouble on themselves from the Jewish leadership? And yet even a skeptic like unbelieving Thomas was fully convinced. They were all convinced that the same Jesus who died on that cross was now alive. He had risen from the dead. He was no ghost, for he had flesh and blood and bones. They could touch him. He was no hallucination, for he ate with them and spoke to them. And he was no imposter either. Or who else would have nail marks in his hands and a spear wound in his side? And besides, the disciples had spent nearly three years, or over three years, in his constant companionship. They knew this was the same Jesus. And you, dear friends, not only have the eyewitness testimony of these 11 disciples. Yes, usually the eyewitness of 11 people would be more than enough. Think of how often in a court of law, one or two witnesses that have seen it is all that's needed to convict a person. But you not only have 11 eyewitnesses here, think of the others who saw the risen Jesus. Mary Magdalene and the other women saw him. The two disciples on their way to Emmaus saw him. Over 500 saw him at one time. And these were not just momentary glimpses out of the corner of their eyes. No, these were extended visits as Jesus spoke to them and instructed them. And these were multiple visits as well in Jerusalem, in Galilee, at the Mount of Olives. They even saw him ascend into heaven. And even after his ascension, the Apostle Paul witnessed the risen Jesus speaking to him from heaven. Yes, he witnessed this while he was still persecuting the church. And think about that. Why would an enemy of Christ... Make that up. You have their testimony recorded in the scriptures, the New Testament. And they did not take back their testimony either. They stood by what they had said. They stood by it even in the face of death. They did not recant or take it back. Now, I do realize that blind followers at times will die for a lie because they think it's the truth. For example, radical suicide bombers. But think about this. If the disciples had made up the resurrection as some claim, then they would have known it was a lie. And why would they have died for a lie? 
And yet even after one of them was put to death, not a single one of them recanted. They continued to preach. Yes, they didn't even remain quiet. They continued to proclaim the risen Jesus. That is how Jesus had changed their hearts and lives. If this had been some sort of conspiracy, at least one, if not most of them, would have broken at some point here. But the truth of Jesus' resurrection is written in the blood of the apostles and martyrs. Who is Jesus? He is the one who rose from the dead. He is my Savior from sin and death. He is the one who has changed my heart and life. Only Jesus brings Easter peace. And that now brings us to that second question. What is this peace that Jesus brings? Have you noticed how that message of peace bookends Jesus' life? What did the angels proclaim that night Jesus was born? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And now the risen Jesus greets his disciples with that message of peace. What is this peace? Now some imagine that the peace Jesus brings is an earthly peace, an end to war, a a better tomorrow, a new age, a thousand years of prosperity on this earth. Some even go so far as to say the mission of the church is to work through the social and political problems that hamper this peace so that we can speed its coming. But dear friends, that was not Jesus' mission and that is not the mission that he gave to his church either. In fact, on the Tuesday before he was crucified, Jesus made it clear that there would be wars and rumors of wars until he came to destroy this earth on the last day and bring his people into the heavenly kingdom. Now others imagine that the peace Jesus brings is is family peace. And now it's true that God often will bless his people with with a peaceful, happy family, just as he may bless us for a time with earthly peace, freedom from war that we're directly involved in. But that's not the peace that he promises necessarily. Even a Christian may be in a family that is not at peace or happy, just as we at times may be in a period of war. In fact, Earlier in his ministry in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says this about family peace. He says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to this earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Even sin infects, or even a Christian home, there is sin, and that can bring peace pain and discord and strife. And all the more so when only a few or one in the family is a Christian and the others feel a resentment or hatred toward the one who follows Jesus. And they pressure him or her to put family before Jesus. That's what Jesus was talking about there in Matthew 10. So if this peace that Jesus brings isn't earthly peace, And if it's not family peace, what is the peace that he promises? Might it perhaps be peace of conscience? And there we're getting closer to the Easter peace that Jesus proclaims for us. But here again, we need to be careful that 
way some use that term peace of conscience. This is not the peace of conscience that comes when someone hardens their heart so they no longer feel guilty about the wrongs they do. That's not Easter peace. And it's not the peace of conscience that some strive for by redefining what sin is so that what they do is no longer considered bad. That's not Easter peace. And it's not the kind of peace that some struggle for when they try to make up for their sins or at least say that they are sorry for them. That's not Easter peace either. The peace of conscience that is connected to the Easter peace comes only from these words that Jesus spoke that first Easter night. When he says, If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. Only Christ's forgiveness brings true peace of conscience. And this peace of conscience rests on a peace that comes from outside of ourselves. This outside peace is the foundation for our inner peace. And what is this outside peace? It's the promise that God was reconciling us to himself through Christ that he has established peace through Jesus. You see, we used to be God's enemies, the opposite of peace and reconciliation. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so, the scriptures declare. But while we were still his enemies, Christ died for you. That's how he established this peace. That's how he reconciled us to God. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 puts it this way, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Rather than counting sins against us, he counted them against Jesus instead. That's why Jesus died. His death is the only sacrifice that appeases God's anger over our sin. And through his death, Christ reconciled us to God. Yes, God reconciled the entire world to himself through Christ. And that includes you and me. And that's why Jesus rose from the dead. Peace of conscience comes as you focus on this peace that Jesus proclaims, that God has reconciled you to himself through Jesus. That's the Easter peace. And that peace is true and real and objective, even if you do not necessarily feel at peace at the moment. That's just all the more reason for us to focus on that promise of peace, that promise that Jesus has reconciled us to God. For because Jesus has reconciled you to God, you have the forgiveness of sins through faith in him. And his forgiveness brings true peace to your conscience. Believe the Easter peace. God has reconciled you to himself in Christ. Only Jesus brings Easter peace. And that brings us to that third and final question. 
How can I know Jesus and the peace that he brings? Now, to know Jesus means more than to know about Jesus. It means to believe in him, to believe that his words are true, to believe that when he says, you are forgiven, that it is the truth. It means to trust him as your God and Savior, to trust him as the one who died for you and rose from the dead, who is your only Savior from sin and death. Now, how do we know Jesus with this faith that believes his forgiveness and trusts him fully? Well, to answer that, think again about what Jesus said to his disciples on that Easter night. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. How can I know Jesus? Well, because he sent his disciples to proclaim that Easter peace, to proclaim the good news of forgiveness. That's the mission that he sends his church to do, to proclaim the good news of forgiveness of sins. That's the mission Jesus came to do, to to win that salvation. The Father had sent him to win salvation from sin and death, and now he sends his disciples to proclaim that salvation, to announce his victory, to preach the good news of forgiveness, to share the Easter peace. And he gives his disciples the Holy Spirit to do that. Think about that. Before he says those words to his disciples, he breathes on them. If you hold your hand in front of your mouth and say the word peace, you feel your breath, don't you? Jesus' breath brings his word. His word brings the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings faith. That faith that knows Jesus. And that along with that faith comes peace. Now the Bible also makes clear that The Holy Spirit was given to the disciples also for a very special purpose as well. So that when they spoke and wrote about Jesus, that they were not expressing their own opinions, but they were writing and speaking the very words the Holy Spirit wanted them to record. We call that verbal inspiration. And that's why you can be sure that the Bible is God's word and not man's opinion about God. Yes, you have their witness, their testimony right here in the New Testament because Jesus sent them out. And that is what brings faith to our hearts. And just as Jesus sent out those first disciples, so also he sends out you and me to proclaim that Easter peace, that forgiveness. How can people believe in Jesus and know him if they do not hear about him? And without Jesus, there is no forgiveness, no peace. What a reason for us to share the Easter peace. Now, to those who refuse Jesus, we have to tell them, you are not forgiven. Yes, Jesus died for your sins and he rose for your forgiveness, but Because you reject Jesus, you also reject his forgiveness. You are still in your sin. No Jesus. No peace. 
but to you who are weary from that burden of guilt, to you who hate the filth that fills your heart, to you who long to be rescued from that pit of death. Hear what Jesus says to you through me. He says to you, you are forgiven. Jesus has washed away your sins. He has rescued you from the jaws of death. He is your Savior from sin and death. Trust Him. He has reconciled, yes, only Jesus has reconciled you to the Father. He has established true peace. Believe His promise. Only Jesus brings Easter peace. And so, dear friends, know Jesus so that you know His peace. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.